and welcome to Healthy Chats. I am Amy Braun, CEO of HealthCore, a national not-for-profit whose mission is to close the health equity gap by educating and activating one of our nation's greatest assets, our teens. And welcome to the second season of our podcast. We created Healthy Chats to showcase and utilize our community of health and wellness experts at the beginning of the pandemic. We are so thrilled to see how much our students, parents, schools, supporters, and sponsors say they've enjoyed and learned from each of these episodes. Last year, HealthCorps honored the CVS Health Foundation for its commitment to working in communities. We applauded CVS Health and its belief that everyone should have the opportunity to make healthy choices, regardless of the condition in which they are born, grow, live, work, or the age that they are. The CVS Health Foundation provides strategic support to partners like HealthCorps that are helping to increase community-based access to healthcare for at-risk populations. A year ago, no one could have imagined what the next 365 days would hold for us. But here we are, emerging from the pandemic with optimism fueled by hope and science. CVS Health has remained on the front line of our global battle with COVID, and it's fitting that they are here with us today to discuss how we can all engage to bring this chapter to an end. So I'm very excited that with me today is Dr. Ulysses Perez, a Chief Medical Officer and Senior Director of Clinical Solutions for CVS Health. Welcome, Dr. Prez. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Prez, to start us off, could you share a little bit about yourself and the role that you have at CVS Health? Sure. So, I'm an internist by training. I started my early years in medicine, kind of uh, managing inpatient, hospitalized patients and critically ill patients, and joined CVS about 11 years ago. I'm essentially part of a very large team. Essentially, what we do is help them navigate the very confusing and uh, tumultuous world of of healthcare. Uh, For example, one of our initiatives is a Healthy Foods initiative that we try to do in making sure that our members and the folks that we serve have access to healthy food. Also, we have a collaborative with uh, several corporate partners to help make sure that we ensure transportation for uh, some of our in-need members to get to see their doctor. I imagine also the Medicare population has been such an important population for you to support during the recent pandemic. And healthy food is such an important initiative to HealthCorp as well. Making sure you know those are in our community are helping with food insecurity during the pandemic has just been super important for our initiatives as well this year. So, with thinking about the Medicare population and everything that CVS is doing, you know, CVS has has played obviously a huge role in the vaccine rollout. Um, I heard about it on the news lots of times, and walked into my CVS the other day and, and saw the line of individuals waiting to get their vaccine. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about what your role in the COVID-19 vaccine distribution for CVS has been. You know, what type of preparation did it take to do this, to procure and store the vaccine? And then, of course, you know, distributing it. I know we hear on the news constantly about the numbers and the rollout. So what was that like for you guys? We are one of the nation's largest vaccinators, so to speak, uh, during flu season. We were able to successfully partner with the CDC and the federal government to be able to procure some of these vaccinations and be able to distribute it amongst the communities in which we serve. Even though we're a large company, we have a local footprint. Uh, a lot of people know that these, some of these vaccines, like the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, they require ultra-cold storage. So usually these vaccines are kept at like negative 40 degrees Celsius, which is extremely cold. Now, they're just not thawed out. You need special freezers to keep them in, store them in. We've been able to have a fairly smooth and effective rollout of the vaccine. 
So you mentioned it a little bit, and I, I think, you know, you talked about families and soccer teams and, you know, me going to buy my hairbrush last week. You know, so why is it the, the engagement of pharmacies? Why has it been so important for the fight against the pandemic for us and, you know, thinking about our communities and our families? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it goes back to what we were originally talking about. You know, CVS is a large company, but it's, it's kind of everywhere. We're, we're a large national company, but really foundationally, the underpinnings of us is really community-based. We're a community-based, or practically a very large mom and pop. We love that we have a large community footprint. So an interesting fact is that about 85% of Americans live within 10 miles of a CVS. That kind of positioned us in a really good place to be able to roll these vaccines out and have the kind of touch points with the, the folks that live in our community, where instead of them having to come to us, we can kind of be there for them and uh, and service them, be able to give them the vaccinations that they they need. Absolutely. Well, we, you know, at HealthCorp, we place coordinators directly into schools across the country. So we totally recognize and value the importance of the community relationship and being a part of that community and then, you know, catering to families and understanding the unique needs that everybody has. Um, and that varies from community to community and population to population and, and being able to service them independently. I, I like the idea that you guys are a group of, you know, a lot of mom and pop shops. I think that's a great, a great way to think about it. So many Americans have a choice of facilities to visit for a vaccine. How were the CVS pharmacy locations chosen within the federal retail pharmacy program states? Logistically, there's been a lot of maneuvering that we've had to do. And in, in, in a lot of the, the stores that were chosen initially had to meet certain requirements to be able to uh, facilitate things like social distancing, right? Uh, so we wanted to make sure that the stores were large enough and had enough space so that folks uh, wouldn't kind of be on top of each other uh, waiting to get uh, vaccines. Another important factor that went into kind of choosing the stores, um, population density and demographics, uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, communities that were underrepresented, minority communities really had access to these vaccines, especially since early on, most of the data showed us that the first population was the elderly population. And the second the second cohort was really folks that were in in, in the populations, uh, African-American, Hispanic populations uh, that were underserved. Uh, so we, we made sure that these stores had the capacity and had the wherewithal to be able to roll out the vaccine effectively and be able to go out there and, and service those populations. That's that's wonderful. You know, at HealthCorp, we're very familiar with the social determinants of health. It's really what our program is working to try to eliminate some of those social determinants. So definitely think it's so important to prioritize those certain populations. And we've done a lot of work trying to educate our families and communities and our students about the vaccine and where to get it and how to get it. Everything from information in carpool lines to actually currently at a, a women's shelter that we work with in New York City, we are currently providing some vaccine sign-up information for them as well. So definitely understand and appreciate the focus on education and accessibility to the vaccine and, and how important um, you know, that really is and making sure that individuals are able to really receive it and, and you know, get there. And, you know, you mentioned at the top of the call, I think the idea about transportation, right? That's one of the things that we know has come up. How do you, you need to get to where you need to go in order to be able to get the vaccine? How can you get there? What are the bus routes? So it's wonderful recognizing that you guys, you know, that 85% of people are just 10 miles from one I'm sure has really helped us, helped us close the gap. So I want to switch a little bit. Um, it's been kind of a busy week in the news of COVID vaccines this week. So perfect timing for us to chat. 
you know, I'm sure everybody has heard by now that we added the Johnson and Johnson vaccine to be available, but it has taken a little bit of pause. So it was obviously a vaccine that everyone was very excited about because it had a more traditional shelf stable single dose vaccine. But I would love if we can talk a little bit about sort of the pause and what's happened, because I'm sure everybody heard, I think it was about a month ago or six weeks ago when the AstraZeneca vaccine was put on pause. So is there some sort of correlation between these two, or is this just a, a strange coincidence that both of these vaccines have, have been paused, and, and why were they paused? There's no clinical data and no epidemiologic data that points to a direct correlate between the issues that have gone on with AstraZeneca and the recent cases of cerebrosinus thrombosis, um, venous sinus thrombosis in patients with the, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So there isn't, there isn't a correlate. I keep reminding folks that vaccines aren't medicine. So uh, folks tend to be put off by the fact that sometimes the vaccine makes them feel a little feverish. That tells me that the, the, your immune system is ramping up and really recognizing this antigen so that when you encounter the COVID later, it has an upper hand and it's able to really combat it. The fact of the matter is that these reports were coming out mostly with very, very sick folks, folks that had extremely high inflammatory responses not because of the vaccine per se, but because of the actual infection. The, the incidence of blood clots so far, given all the folks that have been vaccinated and have had an initial inoculation with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are extremely rare. So I know that there are folks that are out there that are hypervigilant about it and are concerned, but we are lucky that we have three vaccines on the market. I think that we have the luxury to be able to be ultra, ultra cautious around this and say, look, you know, uh, we'll continue to monitor it and we'll see where the data leads, leads us. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we actually have seen that there's a higher risk of blood clots from the COVID-19 disease more than the vaccines themselves. Is that true? Is that Yes. In moderate to severe COVID-19 disease, particularly in hospitalized patients, there seem to be a higher incidence of prothrombotic, both arterial and venous events. What we have seen is that as we continue to vaccinate the population, and although our cases now are, are, are up to 80,000 a day, and our hospitalizations are still high, deaths related to COVID are actually flat to going down. So the acuity of disease seems to be ameliorating itself. So you don't see a lot of that, a lot of the early uh, prothrombotic episodes that we would see early on in the disease when and I don't know if you have a solid answer on this, Dr. Perez, but is that, are we seeing this going down because the older population is not contracting the disease at such a higher rate and it's more younger individuals, so it's different individuals who are going in, or are we seeing it going down because we've just gotten better at understanding the way the disease works? We may not know until, you know, once we're past this, once we're past this pandemic and we have some time and separation to look back, we're going to learn a lot. Uh, once kind of the dust settles, this is kind of a generational pandemic. This is just kind of one of those things where, thankfully, it doesn't come around very often and kind of just puts the world on pause. But I, I think that we're going to learn a lot. Hopefully, we'll take a lot away moving forward. I love the honest answer. Thank you. And I think it's important <laughs> for us to acknowledge when we don't know, because I think it makes some of the, the families and communities that we work with feel more comfortable that, you know, we are being honest in, in what we can share. So I love that. Yeah, I completely agree. Look, we don't know, but we're working on it. And that's the beauty of science. It's a discipline that's constantly updating itself and course correcting itself and going back and rechecking and rechecking. 
and not knowing sometimes is is an important part of the process. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing a lot about and, um, you know, totally understandable, but this pause with the J&J vaccine, you know, and the news lately has led to a lot of individuals canceling their appointments. So, you know, we've been talking about vaccine hesitancy for months, you know, Health Corps has been very aware of it. We've been talking to our communities, our populations under helping educate. What do we think or what have, what have we seen um, or has CVS seen with, with vaccine hesitancy and, and what's been happening with the pause with the J&J vaccine? Yeah, I, I think there, there's a couple of things that, that contribute to this, I, I think. One is that we have the internet, which is a great place where people go and share ideas and do all these things, but sometimes it's hard to sift through the information. The second thing is people are rightly scared. This is a new experience for all of us. My advice is that it's important sometimes to just slow down and kind of take in the data. It's extremely rare, but it's a treatable condition. The rate of dying from from COVID is much higher, uh, which I think is very important for all of us. So you know, thinking about this pause and the hesitancy, I'm curious to, to think about, well, first off, um, I'm curious, is CVS or was CVS um, distributing the J&J vaccine? And then if they were, what do we think it's going to take to sort of restart distribution of the vaccine once it goes up and right. running? First of all, it's important to understand the pause is a week-long pause. Next week, they're going to get more data and they're going to reevaluate things. The second we found out, we did the responsible and important thing and, and also what the guidelines recommended, which was we pulled the J&J vaccine. It's, it's on a pause. We've had to logistically go back and text some folks that have had appointments to come in and get uh, vaccinated. And we're doing our best to kind of, they, they have a couple of choices. One is to go on our website. They can find a place where uh, one of our stores where we're either administering the, the uh, Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine. Or we're trying behind the scenes to try to really accommodate everyone. The more important, I guess the question I think that you're trying to go towards also is kind of the folks that have already had it, right? That's a big deal. Like I've already had the Johnson Johnson vaccine and am I going to get this blood clot? If you have certain symptoms like headache, blurriness of vision, they can be very typical, abdominal pain, bloating. So you really need to get checked out so that you can get the treatment you need. So for those that have received the J&J vaccine, um, again, recognizing that it is a very, very low percentage, but if you do experience some of the symptoms that, that have come out in terms of from the CDC and I'm sure certain medical professionals, that you should just be aware and monitoring and making sure that you reach out to your, your local physician. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to change course just a little bit um, with the time we have left. So Health Corps is obviously very focused on our teens. And we know that while it's not J&J, Pfizer has requested to amend their emergency use authorization with the Food and Drug Administration to get approval to administer the COVID-19 vaccine to 12 to 15-year-olds. I believe the current approval is for those that are 16 and older. You know, I mean, obviously at Health Corps, we've, we've seen... Um, some of the effects that the pandemic have had on our kids over the last year. So from your perspective as a doctor, why is it so important that our teens receive the vaccine? Early on, the, the idea of, of children getting very, very sick or adolescents getting very, very sick was something that wasn't, uh, they weren't in a high mortality risk, but they have been a key component in kind of spreading this thing around. And so I think that it's important, the closer that we all get, to reaching some semblance of, I know everyone's heard of, about herd immunity and when do we get there and how do we get there? I think the closer that we get, that we kind of inoculate 
a large chunk of the population, the closer we'll get, not just to prevent people from dying from this thing and getting really, really sick, from, but just the transmissibility of it, uh, controlling the transmissibility of it. I think that teens are an important key to that, to that puzzle, um, to making sure that they get vaccinated so they could protect their community and protect the people that they love and their parents and uh, grandparents and, and everyone else. Absolutely. Well, that makes complete sense. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Perez, for joining me today. I would be remiss for ending this episode without making sure of one final question, which is how can our citizens across the country, our family at Health Corps, how can people sign up for the COVID vaccine through CVS? We, we have heard all sorts of stories from every walk of life. So how, how can our constituents do it? Everyone who's eligible for the vaccine can certainly make an appointment uh, at cvs.com. You can pick your local store to go to to get vaccinated. We also have an app that you can use uh, that'll serve a similar function. Right now, we're only vaccinating folks by appointment only. And the reason for that is that it's really a safety issue. We don't want to overwhelm the stores and have long lines outside of stores, which become then a public safety quagmire. So we just want everybody to be safe and wear their masks and, and, and get vaccinated and get better. And hopefully we'll, we'll get back, back to life as we knew it, or at least as close to it as we can. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to CBS and the CBS Health Foundation for its work to ensure that the vaccine remains accessible for all Americans as we hope to get back to normal. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this very insightful conversation. I encourage you to subscribe to Healthy Chats on your favorite podcast platform and follow HealthCore on social media at HealthCore. And be sure if you have a teen in your life to check out our teen channel only, which is at Teen Health Vibe on Instagram. Thank you so much. And everyone stay safe.